are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Tonight, we're going to conclude our series, Anxious for Nothing, and that is not a picture of anywhere locally, obviously. But we are going to conclude this series, um, and again, it's based on the book by Max Lucado. So full disclosure, this, this awesome content is not mine exclusively. Um, but Max Lucado has a powerful way of, of unpacking the scriptures for us. And so I want us to read um, again our key passage, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And I'm going to uh, read it in the New Living Translation. I believe they'll have that for you on the screen. So Philippians 4 Verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything We can understand his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Wow, wasn't that an amazing read? I love how certain translations just shed a little bit more light on certain verses. So we've considered the reality of Paul's original context, where he was when he was writing this letter to the church in Philippi from his prison cell in Rome. And Paul begins his anti-anxiety prescription with the admonition to rejoice in the Lord always. No matter what we face, no matter where we are in the natural or where we are in our spiritual life, we can rejoice and we choose to rejoice. We are to do it in the present tense. And we made the point that this phrase that's repeated in verse 4 was for emphasis. The all caps, if you will, back then. Paul said it twice because it was that important. And we're able to rejoice tonight because we celebrate God's goodness in our lives. Amen. The second thing that we're instructed to do and we're reviewing right now is ask God for help. Let's look at verse 6 again. Pray about everything. This is a pretty simple assignment, but it's not an easy thing to do sometimes, is it? It's a very simple directive. Pray about everything. Verse Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast our cares on the Lord, all of our cares. Nothing is exempted in this statement. And so if it matters to you, then it matters to God. That personal, possessive pronoun, your cares. Jesus wants them. What we are allowed to give to God is not limited to what we think is spiritual, what we think is is important. Now, this is important, so I'll talk to God about it. No, Peter said all of it. Talk to God about everything. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. For the first time, I looked up what the word was for care in that verse, 1 Peter 5, 7. 
And this word for care that Peter uses in 1 Peter 5, 7, in its complete context refers to whatever causes us care or anxiety. Think about that. Peter's essentially saying the same thing Paul is, and he's framing it a little bit different. Strong's Concordance breaks the word down to this, the idea of distraction. Cares are things that distract us. Oh my. To be drawn in different directions. Am I the only one who doesn't know what day it is sometimes? It's absolutely shocking. My girls are like, Mom, what's today's date? I have no idea. I could tell you what it was the last time I checked, but it's probably wrong. Some days my emotions are in different directions. Some days I am just a mess in my brain. But this is exactly what Peter is talking about. The cares, the things that scatter you, the things that put you all over the place and distract you, those are the things that Jesus wants you to give to him. God does not concern himself with our salvation alone. Peter is saying that God is willing to hear about and take on anything that we need to give to him. So Selah, stop and ponder that for a minute. How many times have you and I put this idea of casting cares into its full context, which includes giving everything? Even those thoughts we have that make absolutely no sense. They're disjointed. They're disconnected. They're firing off in our brains. And Peter's saying you can give all of that to God because he cares for you. So Paul is telling us in Philippians 4, pray about these things. But don't just pray about the need that it represents. Pray about the need that you have for peace. Concerning that particular thing. We need a fresh revelation of the love of God towards us. That it is not limited to just our understanding of him. It's not limited to the kind of relationship that we've had with him up to this point in our journey. But God wants to carry our burdens, our questions, our desires, the pain that we have deep within us. That's why Paul could say from a Roman prison cell, as uncertain as his life was at that point, don't be anxious about anything because God cares about everything. Paul was saying you can pray about it because he cares about it. What a deal. It's so awesome when you're doing something, especially something you don't want to do, and someone steps in and says, hey, I got that for you. Don't worry about it. I got it. And if you're like me, I don't accept help immediately. You have to, like, shoo me away, push me away. Oh, okay, okay, thanks for the help. But that's what Jesus Christ is offering to you and I to say, give me that. I got it. Don't you worry about it. I can handle that. Because if we pray about everything, then we release those things to God. We cast, we release them And we ask for his help, and guess what the good news is? Anxiety no longer has a place in our hearts because we're not holding on to that thing 
anymore. And so together we have looked at the first two points we have followed Mr. Lucado's clever acronym of CALM, C-A-L-M. C was celebrate God's goodness. We did that the first week. The second letter, A, was ask God for help. We did that the last time we had Bible study. And so tonight we will conclude with the last two letters of L and M. So L, leave your concerns with him. Now this is where it gets very difficult. If we're honest, sometimes this feels impossible to just leave things in the presence of the Lord. But one of the greatest divides between the reality of the way that we live and the way that Jesus says we can live is this great divide called, if only, if only I had more money, if only I had a better job, if only they were different, If only I hadn't said that. If only I had more hours in a day. If only I could get the help that I need at home or on my job. If only then I would have a good life. It would be possible for me. If only. You know, the greener grass syndrome. More money. If I had nicer people in my life. If my health was better. My children were grateful and well-behaved. That picture-perfect Instagram life where everybody's smiling and looking at the camera, if that was my life, then I could be happy too. I could give my cares to the Lord if that was my life. So let's look at the passage again in the NIV. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Jesus. Have you ever left something out of a recipe, either by accident or just started making it and realized, I don't even have that, so we're going to improvise? This unfortunate thing happened to me, and I don't remember a lot of the details. I think I was so embarrassed my brain tried to block the memory, but um, what I do remember was we were having the youth team over to our house, which means that our girls were very young, which explains why I did this. <clears throat> so I was making a fudge pie, which I have made 150 times, thanks to my girl, Paula Dean. It's like four ingredients. You can't mess this up. But I did. <laughs> because I didn't realize. What was horrible about it was I didn't realize it till I served it. And I could just tell by the looks on people's faces Wait a minute. This is not right. This is a fudge pie. It's eggs and butter and chocolate and sugar. How can this not taste good in this moment? And then I realized as I played it all back in my mind that I never made it to the pan with a cup of sugar. So the semi-sweet morsels of chocolate were very bitter and there was no sugar. That cup of sugar, Paula, made a big difference. 
And so the point I'm trying to make is to set up the fact that in verse 6, Paul gives us a key ingredient to this anti-anxiety recipe, if you will. Two little words that make a really big difference in our lives. For most of us, they're very common words. We've used them a lot in the last week. They're easily understood. They're used consistently in Scripture. But they are crucial to Paul's instruction to us in this chapter that we're studying. With thanksgiving. We just celebrated the holiday. Didn't that work out well? I wish I could say that I planned the series that way, but I'm not that organized and I'm not that clever. But it works out really well. We had an amazing service on Tuesday night last week, didn't we? I'm sure that you, like I, enjoyed hearing about what God is doing in other people's lives. It gave me a reason to give thanks outside of just myself. But tonight, we need to understand how crucial a thankful viewpoint is to our ability to resist the grip of anxiety. By prayer and petition, Paul says, God, help me. Lord, please give me. Jesus, please be with them. Please do this. Take care of that. Don't let this happen. But make all these requests with thanksgiving. Not just help me, show me, do this for me, intervene for me, but thank you. Max Lucado says in the book, God's anxiety therapy includes a large, delightful dollop of gratitude. Gratitude is a mindful awareness of the benefits of life. Yes, there are benefits in life. It is arguably the greatest virtue that we can possess. Studies have linked uh, gratitude with a variety of positive effects, and you could probably guess some of them. Grateful people tend to be more forgiving and empathetic. It improves our self-esteem, the quality of our relationships, our sleep, and even our longevity. Gratitude keeps in check our natural impulses, the reactions that are fundamental to the human condition like envy and materialism and selfishness, things we saw at the very beginning of this book. Gratitude takes care of those tendencies. And one of the most important books that I've ever read up to this point in my life Uh, was A Thousand Gifts by Anne Voskamp. Has anybody read that book? If you have, you'll never forget it. It's unlike any other book I've read, but her approach is very, very personal, almost to the point of being painful, to the power of gratitude in our lives. Her journey towards a life enriched and redirected by a grateful heart begins with the challenge a friend gave to her. And write down 1,000 things that you're thankful for. It was kind of a modern version of Pollyanna's Glad Game. You guys remember that movie? The Glad Game? I love Haley Mills. is so cute. But anyway, 
So Anne Voskamp makes this list. She begins this journey of, of journaling all the things that she's grateful for, and it changes her life. It changes her viewpoint completely. And so I think it's fair to make the claim that people who practice gratitude, if I could put it that way, specifically through journaling, through writing it down, I've tried it, it works, are far more likely to have a positive outlook on life. Lucado makes this convicting statement in the book, worry refuses to share the heart with gratitude. Worry refuses to share the heart with gratitude. One heartfelt thank you will suck the life out of anxiety's world. Thank you diffuses anxiety in us. A few more verses into Philippians 4, Paul actually explains his experience with this idea of gratitude. Verses 11 through 13, let's look at them together. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and then there's your verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Reading those verses all together the way they were originally written adds a layer of challenge to that verse 13 that we love so much. I've used that verse a lot as kind of my superpower, you know, Jesus is my superhero verse. I can do all things through Christ, and that is true. But Paul is saying it in reference to the fact that sometimes I go through very, very difficult things. And I am learning to be content. I'm learning to be grateful in those circumstances because I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You see, contentment that is based on if only that great divide that we talked about will turn us into worried, wounded people. It places our hopes and desires on what is outside of our control. And it negates the authority of the one who is in control. Christ-based contentment turns us into strong people. Thank you, Mr. Lucado. He is exactly right. Death, failure, betrayal, sickness disappointment they cannot take our joy because they cannot take our Jesus Paul put it this way who can separate us from the love of Christ he lists all these horrible things tribulation none of those things can because they can't separate us from Jesus Christ and at the end of the day that's all we need that's who we need We will not survive the storms of life unless we anchor our hearts to the character of God. Not just believing in what he can do, but believing in who he is. His character, what makes him different than anybody else. 
And probably most importantly, what makes him different than us. We can cancel our anxious thoughts with grateful thoughts. That is what Paul is telling us to do. That as you present your needs, your cares, your worries, you do it with thanksgiving. Verse 7 says that as a result of prayer and thanksgiving, the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. What a promise. What a formula. I made one for you. Prayer plus thanksgiving equals peace. How simple is that? How obvious it seems. And yet, it's so hard for us to put all of this together when we are anxious. Peace is a guarantee, according to the word of God. It is a direct result of prayer Mixed with gratitude, that key ingredient. According to Paul, peace serves as a guard for our hearts and our minds. Think about that. Peace actually stands guard where anxiety once dwelled in our minds. Anxiety is evicted when we pray with thanksgiving. Peace is given control to keep watch over our minds and our hearts. I love how specific and personal that promise is. Because our minds and our hearts are the things most impacted by anxious thoughts, aren't they? And yet it's those things that when God assigns peace to us, that peace guards our hearts. Peace guards our minds from that forcefulness that anxiety puts on us. I looked up the meaning of the word guard that Paul uses in scripture, and it can be explained like this, and this makes me so excited. To guard, protect by a military guard, either to prevent hostile invasion or to keep the inhabitants of a besieged city from flight. That's us. Strong's puts it this way, to be a watcher in advance. To post spies at the gates. That's what peace does. It's this military uh, concept of standing guard to protect us, to look out for us. That's what the peace of God does for us. Because you see, anxiety bullies us. It dominates us. And Paul is saying the peace of God stands guard for you against that bully that anxiety is. It keeps that influence, that taunting in your mind away. I love those t-shirts and memes that say, not today, Satan. Have you seen those? I love that. And in my mind when I was studying, I, I could just see this soldier looking dude like peace there with a sticker, a t-shirt that says, not today, Satan. Not today. Because that situation was already prayed over. I already found a reason to be grateful in the midst of all of this. It's been taken care of. Anxiety, take a seat. Peace is standing on guard. Amen. 
God takes responsibility for the hearts and minds of those who believe in him. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is looking out for you. He's leading you. He's caring for you. He's feeding you. He's protecting you. And you are not alone. You belong to and are the charge of the good shepherd, the one who gave his life for the sheep. That is how much he cares. That's how involved he is in the process. He purchased everything that we would ever need with his own blood. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Matthew 18 20, Jesus said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And as we conclude uh, this series, our final point is, and you may have guessed what M is, meditate on good things. I think it's easy to acknowledge that anxiety feeds off of our need and our desire to control things. And this is exactly why we must learn to fight it off with thanksgiving and through prayer. We have to grow in this area in order to become who God has called us to be. We must grow in our love relationship with Jesus Christ to the point that we are more persuaded of his unending, unwavering love for us than we are of anything else, whether it's real or it's just imagined. Fully persuaded of his love. The truth is, there isn't much that we have control over, at least not complete control. But there is one thing that matters that we do have control over, and it is our thoughts. Lucato puts it this way, the greatest activity of life is well within your dominion. You can choose what you think about. You are the air traffic controller of your mental airport. You give thoughts permission to land And to take off, we select our thought pattern. The book of Proverbs agrees with Mr. Lucado. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. That is terrifying. Jesus, help us. Our thoughts run our life. A true indication of the maturing of our faith is the way our faith informs and safeguards our thought life. I just want you to take inventory for just a second. A true indication of the maturing of your faith is what role does my faith play up here? What safeguards does it give me? What boundaries do I give myself based on what I say I believe, according to the word of God. As believers, we must realize the importance of what we allow ourselves to think and to believe, 
According to Proverbs, these things run our lives. And the purpose of God will not be realized or pursued within us if we are careless with our thoughts. Because thoughts have consequences. The Bible makes it clear that the results of our thoughts bear fruit. They are evident in our lives. And so our challenge tonight is to challenge the way we think. To be more aware, more conscientious about what we dwell on and where we allow our imagination to take us. Because fear's stronghold begins right here. And we must have an aggressive response against it. The enemy is the master of mind games. He is a bully and so fear is his platform. Suggestions, imagined, the assumed, the misunderstood, the questions, the what-ifs, those pesky if-only, and God forbid even the Eeyore syndrome of nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. God help us if you're a believer and you are Eeyore. Something is wrong. There is a disconnect between this word and your brain. If that's what you say, because you have no filter, you have no boundary in your words, and if you have a problem with your words, guess where it starts? Right up here. And that's why we have to have these safeguards in our thoughts. But for many of us, we just roll over. We even play dead when these crazy thoughts come It's as if we assume that the enemy is right, or even worse, that we're right. And our perception always equals reality. Oh God, Satan is the master of deceit. What he says is never based on the truth. He can't even quote the word of God to God himself without error, without changing it into something that it's not. This word meditate is transliterated there in verse 8. It means fix. And the root word is the same one we get our word for logic. Paul is saying that anxiety is best faced with clear-headed thinking, with logic. We need to think about what we think about. 2 Corinthians 10.5 puts it, pretty assertively, that we are to capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. This is why studying and memorizing Scripture is so important. I actually talked to the senior quiz team about this tonight. It's because we have to know what the Word of God says in order to combat our misguided thoughts and assumptions to combat the enemy and his distortion of what the Word of God says, his accusations against us, we have to know what the Lord says in his Word so that we can know how to use his Word as a weapon against the enemy and his attacks. We need to learn to cling to Jesus more. He's all of those things in verse 8 that Paul lists. If you wouldn't mind just putting Philippians 4, 8 up for me real quick. 
I wasn't planning on reading it, but just for uh, your review, things that are good and lovely and excellent, everything in that list, the Lord is. And so maybe in the heat of the moment, you can't remember Philippians 4.8. I can't remember what I'm supposed to think about right now. I'm so frazzled. Well, here, here's the, uh, the free pass. Here's the hint. All of it is who Jesus is. And so if in a moment you are caught off guard by anxiety and worry, and because it can just slam in our face so fast, our thoughts are gone, and we're reeling like, wait, what just happened? How did I get here mentally? We can take a step back and say, no, I know who Jesus is. I have anchored my hope to the character of God. Not just his power, not just his divine ability, but who he is. And if I can remember who Jesus is in those moments, then I realize I don't have to worry about anything. Because whatever it is that I need in that moment, Jesus already is. He's already promised to be those things to me and for me. The secret to anxiety-free living is less about doing and more about abiding. I'm not trying to give you just the the list of calm, celebrate God's goodness, ask God for his help, you know, all of those things that we went over. I'm not just giving you a list for the sake of it because really the secret is abiding in God in such a way that he's able to reprogram the way that we think. Our view on life, some of us, we, we are Eeyore. That's the way we've looked at life all of our life. We don't know how to look differently. And yet, if we are abiding in Christ, Jesus won't let us stay that way. That's what's so awesome about the Lord. He will embrace us as we are. But he loves us too much to leave us in our mess to leave us in our fear, in our worry, in our anxiety, in our assumptions, in our negativity. The Bible is so clear what we should think about, what we should pray about, that we should pray about these things with thanksgiving. Because God understands our weakness and he wants to help us. He wants to partner with us to say, give me that. I've got it. Aren't you tired yet? One more sleepless night. What are you thinking? Too much. You're thinking about the wrong things. And I understand it's easier said than done. But if I can learn, I've got to abide in Christ. Because he is the vine. And we are the branches. And the branches don't disconnect themselves. That's the image there. But we do sometimes. And that's why we shrivel up. We dry up spiritually because we're disconnected from the source. Jesus Christ is not our resource. He is our source. So I want to uh, read this passage of scripture one more time. And I invite you to stand with me. I want to read it in the message. Verse 4, celebrate God all day, every day. That is awesome. 
I mean revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Yes, Lord. Verse 6, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Verse 8, summing it up all, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Wow. Pray about everything. So the next time we settle into these anxious thoughts, this pattern, this habit that we've maybe created throughout our lives, our normal. When we feel ourselves being anxious, let that be a prayer alarm in our spirits to say, God wants to relieve me from this tension that I've put on myself in this moment. God wants to help me. And so I can pray about it. I can be thankful in the moment. There's something I can find to praise God for in that moment. And that when I do, when I pray and I am thankful, peace shows up and stands guard in my mind and in my heart like a soldier saying, not today. Not today, fear. Not today, anxiety. Not today, sleepless night. Peace is standing guard. It is God's promise to us. It is his desire for us. Amen. So I want us to close this time together by praying in a very specific way. We talked last week about specific prayers and how important they are. I want you to just take a moment and let your petition be made known to the Lord, like Paul told us to do in Philippians 4, 6. And then after you've done that, I want you to say thank you to the Lord in a very specific way. Would you do that with me right now? God, we bring you our cares. We bring you our worries and our fears. Lord, you know exactly what they are. You know their genesis, where they come from. You understand things about our personality and our point of view that we don't even understand. We get so frustrated sometimes, Lord. We want to do better in this area. And it's just this natural impulse to go back to this wrong thinking, to this negativity that weighs us down and just squelches our faith. And so, God, as we're praying about these specific needs in our heart, would you just... Confirm your word right now in our hearts that you want to take it from us. You want to help us 
with that load. You want us to walk away and not carry it, not be under the pressure and the influence of anxiety anymore because we've prayed about it. And so, God, we rejoice now in your goodness in who you are. We say thank you, Lord, for the times, the many times that you've intervened in our lives, you've answered prayers that we didn't even take the time to pray, but you heard the cry of our hearts, you knew the depth of our need, and you met us where we were, as broken as we were. Lord, I want you to know that I am thankful. I do not know where I would be without you. And so because I've experienced your goodness, I rely on you. I anchor my hope to you, Lord Jesus, to your character, not just because of what you can do for me, but because of who you are, who you've revealed yourself to be in my life and who you have yet to reveal yourself to me as. We give thanks, we meditate, we dwell on good things, God. Remind us the next time we feel fear's grip, Lord, to think about you, to abide in you, to stay attached as branches are to a vine, because you are the source of our peace, you are the source of our hope. In every circumstance, we can rejoice because we know who you are, because you've proven yourself over and over again. Go with us and bless us the rest of our week. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.